Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us for today's episode of Science MVPs. Today we're going to be hearing from two research specialists and two of my good friends who have studied Hermann von Hemholtz in great detail and have some awesome information to share with us today. A little background on Hemholtz. He was born in Brandenburg, Germany. He was raised by a philosophy teacher and headmaster. Um, he received a free medical education from the army on the conditions that he serves for eight years, but he was released early because of his obvious scientific talent. While on base, he had a lot of free time because he didn't have a lot of responsibilities. And during that free time, he did a lot of experiments in a makeshift laboratory that he made on base. Um, some of those experiments we'll discuss today, some of the findings we'll discuss today. He went on to develop um, several different theories on mathematics of the eye, theories of vision, visual perception of space, color vision, perception of sound, and a lot to do with empiricism. Um, so we have a lot to talk about today, a lot of interesting things to get into. First person we're going to be chatting with today is Claudia. Hello, Claudia. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, Haley. I'm so glad that I can be here today with you. Um, Claudia, how did you get to get to studying Hemholtz? Yeah, so I am super interested in physics and just love the history um, behind it. Um, I think that Hemholtz was one of the um, great contributors to um, the branch of science that we have today. So, Claudia, I'm not going to lie to you. I actually don't know much about physics and uh, what they even are. So, before we get into Hemholtz's studies and um, all the things he found within the field of physics, could you just briefly explain to me what physics is? Yeah, definitely. Um, this is just a shortened version of um, the definition of physics. It's a branch of science concerned with the nature and properties of matter and energy. That's super awesome. So um, what, what exactly did Hemholtz study about physics and what did he find? Um, so he did a lot of different um, research um, in physics and he brought to his laboratory research the ability to analyze philosophical assumptions on which mu much of the 19th century science was based on. Um, he is best known for his statement of the law of conservation of energy. Uh, and just a little bit about what that is. Um, this, he, the theory of the conservation of energy, um, which he formulated, is considered as one of the broadest and most important generalizations ever known in the history of science. Um, and he did this in 1847 when he studied muscle metabolism. Um, so the law or theory of conservation of energy states that the total energy of an isolated system remains constant, hmm. which basically means that it is conserved over time. Um, it states that energy can neither be created nor destroyed. Um, it can only be transformed or transferred from one form to another. Interesting. Super interesting. Um, so I also, in, in reading up on this, I read that he is actually the person that coined the term psychophysics. What exactly is that? Yes, so um, psychophysics is basically just the understanding between uh, measurement of physical stimuli and the effect on human perception. So we kind of paved the way in experimental studies on the relationship between physical energy or physics um, and the appreciation or psychology. And his goal was to develop the psychophysical laws. Sweet, that's awesome. So kind of what was what was the end product of his work? 
So Hemholtz's end product was the development of classical mechanics. Awesome. So what else do our people need to know about Hemholtz? I feel like there's just so much that we haven't covered um, specifically with his studies in physics. What else do they need to know? Yeah, so he had um, a lot to do, like I said earlier, with the law of conservation of energy. Um, and I just kind of want to give some everyday examples of this yeah. um, for us. So I have two examples. Um, the first one is um, Kelly ran across the room um, and bumped into her brother, pushing him to the floor. So you can see that the kinetic energy she possessed because of her movement was transferred to her brother, causing him to move. Um, and this kind of goes back to the definition, um, like I said earlier, about the conservation of energy, um, so that this energy from Kelly was not destroyed, um, but it was transferred to her brother. Um, another kind of example for us is when a moving car hits a parked car. Um, it causes the parked car to move, and en energy is transferred from the moving car to the parked car. Um, so I think that these examples just give a good everyday real-life yeah. um, description of kind of what um, the conservation of energy is, because yeah. um, I think that... We may not know what it is, yeah. And and this happens in our everyday life. It's super interesting to me because these are things that everyone in the world understands. Like if a moving car hits a parked car, obviously we understand that the parked car is going to receive some energy from that. So it's interesting that Hemholtz theories and studies really are a part of the way we think and and the way that we understand things, but we just don't know that he's the person to a credit for that. So that's super interesting. Yeah, definitely. He has um, some other contributions to physics. Um, this includes the electrodynamics, um, chemical thermodynamics, mechanical foundation of thermodynamics, um, and electromagnetism. Um, and these are just other contributions to the field of or physics um, <laughs> that we can look at um, today. Unfortunately, we don't have time um, to go over each of these, um, but just a little bit about um, after Hemholtz died, um, the world of physics just kept on growing. Um, it was on the brink of discovery for x-rays, um, radioactivity, um, and this led to the new kind of physics, all kind of starting with Hemholtz and his ideas. Okay, let's ask this guy. Hello, sir. Do you mind if we interview you really quick? Yes. <laughs> okay, no, what's your wait. name? You don't mind? No. Okay, I don't. great. What's your name? Ben. Ben, do you mind if we ask you a brief question about physics? Sure. <laughs> okay, do you know what physics is? Studious stuff. <laughs> okay, you're not wrong. Um, question number two: Do you know who Hermann von Helmholtz is? No clue. If you had to take a guess, what do you think he studied? Physics. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Great. Great answer. And what do you think he might have found when he was studying physics? Like movement and stuff. <laughs> Very great answer. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Excuse me, sir. Do you mind if we um, ask you a couple questions? Sure. Go ahead. <laughs> do you happen to know who Herman von Himholtz is? I do not. <laughs> well, I will be glad to enlighten you. He was a scientist that studied a lot about sensation and perception. Do you know what sensation and perception are? More or less. <laughs> what do you think the difference between sensa sensation and perception is? 
Sensation would be what you feel or experience, and perception is the way you interpret that. That's a pretty good answer. I'm very impressed. Um, he also studied physics. Do you know anything about physics? A little bit. <laughs> what, do you, what do you think the definition of physics is? Physics would be the way in which aspects of the world interact. Um, so use of energy, uh, things along those lines. Wow, I'm impressed. We got a we got a good guy off the streets. Okay, thank you so much for your time. Welcome. All right, we are back from that fun interview break. Um, that was super entertaining for us. I hope it was for you guys as well. Um, next, we're going to talk to my friend Sarah Lynn, uh, who has also researched him Holtz in great detail and has a lot of um, insightful information to share with us today. Hey, Sarah Lynn, thanks Hi, so much for joining hey. us. Thank you so much for that complimentary <laughs> <laughs> Um How did you get to studying him Holtz? Well, actually, when I was in my last year of undergraduate study, I was actually given Hemholtz as a subject of debate in a class that I was taking from one of my all-time favorite professors. <laughs> and at first, I didn't really enjoy it, but then once I started learning more about him, I was just so interested in what he had to say and how revolutionary his, his ideas were. And I just began to really feel passionate about it and realize how much it applied to daily life. That is awesome. So um, one of the things I know I read that Himholtz studied a lot is the ideas of sensation and perception. And just now when we were out interviewing some people, um, they seem to have like a baseline understanding of what those things are and what the difference between them is, but not a whole lot of knowledge about it. So before we kind of get into um, how Himholtz studied those things and how we can apply everything that he found um, kind of to our world today, explain to the listeners what the difference between sensation and perception is and kind of how they, how they correlate. Yeah, no problem. I'm so glad you asked, Haley. Many people might group them together as synonyms, but they are, in fact, very different experiences. In fact, one builds upon the other. Our five senses, sight, sound, touch, taste, smell, they're all transformed from interactions between atoms and chemicals and particles, the really small pieces of our environment, to meaningful experiences in our minds, and that's a really large jump. And these interactions between atoms are sensations, such as whenever we touch a desk, the atoms between our hands and the table interact with one another to create sensation. But how that sensation comes into the knowledge in our brain as, oh, wow, that's a table. Um, those perceptions are the meaningful interpretations of those interactions between the atoms. And so Hemholtz spent his entire life dedicating himself to the explanation of how this process occurs, both with touch and with sight. Um, and while the theorists before him applied philosophy to answer these questions about sensation and perception, Himmeltz instead turned to the empirical and scientific evidence to explain these concepts. So, Sarah, you mentioned um, earlier that you had an example that you wanted to um, use to kind of help us understand um, sensation a little bit better. Tell us a little bit about that, and then we'll um, get started. Yeah, yeah, so this uh, this example is really easy. It can be used with any age group and any kind of person, whether they know a whole lot about sensation or not. So I've actually brought a couple of items to help us with this illustration. I've brought three pens, one for each of us. Here you Thanks. go. And Haley, you as well. So this is a pen, and so if anyone is listening in the audience, if you've got a pen nearby, you go ahead and grab it and pick it up and hold it in your hand like a fist. 
And this is what Himmeltz called the pen example, and it's about the theories of perception. So with your fingers around the pen, each individual finger, your thumb, your index finger, all of the fingers, and your palm, are each individually touching the pen in a different area, in a different space. Yeah. And because these sensations are occurring at the same time, our brain processes all of these individual sensations surrounding the pen and kind of formulates them together into one coherent subject. So in our minds, we cannot directly infer the position of the pen or where it is relative to our bodies, but whenever we collect our sensations from each of our five fingers, all of the sensations together give the sense that the pen is in our hand, not just singularly touching each and every small part of our hand. And the belief is that the pen is in one place only based on the knowledge that our fingers are close enough together so that the pen will fit in between them. Great example. Thank you so much for explaining that. Um, just to wrap things, wrap things up with you guys, um, what do you guys think all of these findings and all of... Holt's theories and research um, means for us today in the field of science and in the field of psychology. How do you think we can apply all the things that he learned um, to the practices that we're trying to implement today? Um, yeah, I just think that Hemholtz kind of started um, this idea of physics, for example, um, and just kind of began um, the understanding and exploration of the science and the field that we have today. Um, so I think that's how um, Hemholtz moves into what we know today um, and the science that we have today. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I mean, physics is definitely a, a huge field of study now. I mean, in public schools, even high school students are expected, if not mandated, to take physics class, and that's yeah. probably in part because of Hemholtz. Um, mm, but sure. yeah, and uh, psychology is one of those other classes as well in high school to where um, students are able to take it because it has kind of taken the world by storm and it's become a lot more um, a lot more prevalent in society as well. Uh, but as far as what Himmeltz does specifically, uh, we are in great debt to him for introducing the concepts of sensation and perception to kind of the beginning of the ability for psychology to be studied because yeah. the sensation and the perception it, it comes way into a lot of other areas of psychology such as you know cognitive psychology learning mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. education all of that it really depends on how students perceive the information yeah. and how they understand their sensations working together yeah well thank you guys so much for tuning in for this episode of science mvps we hope that you learned a lot we hope that you had as much fun as we did and we'll be back next week